Welcome back to episode 55 of Chess Journeys, Tales of Adult Improvement, where we seek to not only capture the highs and the glories of ratings gain, but also dive into what's happening at the plateaus and even below that, the pits of despair. If you want to support the show, there's a couple ways you can do that. You can go to Patreon Chess Journeys, and I'd like to thank Jay Tuttle, Jay Garrison, Donna Rich Burgess, Brandon Hallside, David Schreiber, and Lindsay Newhall. You can purchase some of our brand new merch. If you want to see a guy climbing a mountain with a new logo on it, go for it. Keep your eyes open for some alt art logo that's coming up pretty quick. Um, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Chessable. I am at 67 days and counting. It's my longest streak since my 120 got broken. Every single day, I'm working on my checkmate patterns, trying to ingrain them into my brain. And what's amazing about uh, Chessable, of course, is that you can do all kinds of stuff. You can do tactics, you can do openings, you can do end games, whatever you want, you can do. If you want to appear on Chess Journeys, well, I'd be happy to have you. Fill out the Google form in the show notes. We all want to hear your story. Uh, so make sure you do that. And uh, let's get to the guest today. We have Oldvar. He is a parent, an adult improver. He's a former chess boxer, which I can't wait to talk to, about. And unbelievably, he's a frequent victim of Magnus Carlsen. I don't know. I, I can't wait to talk to this guy. So many things I can't believe. Oldvar, how are you doing? And have you played any chess yet today? Uh, good day. Uh, thank you very much uh, for having me on your show. Uh, it's an honor. Uh, and I'm uh, filled with a mix of uh, excitement and uh, fear. <laughs> well, we're looking forward to talking to you. Have you had a chance to play any chess yet today? I don't know what uh, no, your days not, are like. Not, not today. Um, I've been for on work for the last 12 hours. But I'm, uh, my plan is to do 15, 20 minutes of puzzles later today. Okay. So let's start there then. What is your current life situation? Um, it sounds like you have a very demanding work. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, basically, my life is family and work with a small portion of friends and a tad of chess in there. Okay. Gotcha. So, so yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So I don't have much, much time for chess, but I... Uh, try to the little time i spent on chess i try to have uh, quality in it mm, okay so we'll get into that in a bit yeah it sounds like you're gonna have to be really high quality if you have that little time which i think is going to resonate with a lot of listeners who are in that same position right and like oh i only have this tiny bit of time how can i use it best yeah, um yeah. so what's your origin story of chess when did you start playing did you play as a little kid did you pick it up as an adult yeah, uh, I picked up chess when I was around six, seven years old. Uh, my dad taught me rules. So I remember one summer we were at a cabin and everyone else was out uh, playing football, swimming, fishing. But I just wanted to stay inside and play chess and Monopoly. Hmm. Okay. And was your dad your only opponent or did you have like cousins and brothers and sisters and siblings that were playing with you? Yeah, yeah, I uh, have an older brother who's four years old, older than me, uh, who I played some with, but he's not a big fan of chess as I am. Mm. So basically, I played a lot against my father. Okay. And did you whoop your older brother a few times and then he was like, I don't like this game? Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's how older brothers can be. I... <laughs> that's kind of funny. 
Okay, so you played a little bit as a kid, and then did you just drop it entirely, or did you kind of play it over the years here and there with your dad? Yeah, I, I played basically the next years with my dad. So when when I was around twelve years old, I joined the chess club. So I got a friend in the club that I played a lot with, and um, the club even evenings was every Tuesday. So we just went there, played a lot of games, went home, and waited for next Tuesday. Nice. And did you do anything in between chess? Like, did you have a book or something? Or was it just kind of like, I wait till Tuesday and then I play my chess? Yeah, yeah. We waited to Tuesday. It's strange looking back now because we had so high motivation, so much time. Mm -hmm. But we didn't have resources that we have today. That is, when I'm thinking about it, I know we could have gotten the right books, persuaded better players to play training games against us or asked for sessions with a coach. But at 13, you don't know these things at least we didn't yeah especially when you're a kid you don't have any idea what your options are yeah. um i feel the same way looking back at my whole childhood of like if i was as serious about baseball as i was why didn't i get like a pitching coach to help me become a better pitcher um and i just like today i would do that for a second with my kids but for whatever reason when i was a kid that was just not even something that dawned on me yeah exactly you, you don't know these things so yeah yeah so how long did you do this club for uh, well, my, my dad started taking me to the national championships every summer. Mm. So something I really loved as it was a week full of chess. And I think he enjoyed it too, as it was a nice, relaxing uh, father-son activity. Nice. Um, but playing in the national championship, I soon learned that I was not exactly a strong player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big shocker, right? Once a week on Tuesday to national championship, there's a little bit of a gulf there. Yeah, and and also regularly beating my dad is is not the same as uh, beating uh, other players. Yeah. So, so yeah. was that a motivating experience for you, or was that a, a difficult experience? No, I think I felt it was motivate motivating experience uh, because I had some chess talent but lacked training talent, so I had no idea what to do to improve my level, but still. Uh, playing more I got slowly better uh, and I also at this moment this was when um, there was this little kid drinking chocolate milk eating raisins and reading Donald Duck between moves <laughs> who played in the elite class and even beat grandmasters mm. so yeah it's it's not um, it's not a big secret who it was but that was also very motivating seeing uh, this young talent yeah, so how much younger was Magnus than you? It's now, I, like my math is telling me about five years. Yeah, correct. Okay. So, so when I was thirteen, he was eight. Gotcha. Beating right. everyone. <laughs> yeah, I bet that that must have been interesting. You're like, huh, this little kid seems pretty good at this. Yeah. Okay. So, did you stick with chess then for a long time, or was there a point where you just kind of gave it up? Yeah, it. Ha I had like this. Um thing happen because uh, I played a lot and the motivation was good and my level increased slowly but steadily mm. uh, and when I was 15 years old the Norwegian player Simon Agdestein he approached my dad and me at the national championship so he was quite a legend being both the Norwegian champion in chess but also having played on the national team in football oh, wow. or what you call soccer yeah so he actually invited me to join the chess line at the National Top Athlete School. Wow, and that sounds amazing. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was, and accidentally it turned out my exact year class was very weak. If I had been born a year later or a year earlier, I would not have gotten this opportunity. <laughs> so okay. it was, a yeah, I was lucky to be in my year. Uh, so, so for me, this was an opportunity to do what I love, get an environment with like-minded and have fun while studying. So uh, to me, it was a shock and disbelief that my parents thought, did not let me attend hmm. uh, to school. So at that point, I was devastated and disappointed for being so close, but yet so far. Uh, and that made my motivation drop a lot and the jo joy for the game I had uh, what you can say it turned to numbness yeah i can understand yeah. that have you had any conversations with your parents now that you're an adult and tried to figure out like what their reasoning was uh not much but being older i understand that the enrollment would involve both uh, me moving to a boarding house uh, and also a significant monetary cost okay so it's i understand it but uh, yeah some disappointments are hard to forget yeah, that's for sure. Um, when you were a kid and you were coming up, did you get to play Magnus at all? Or was or did they separate, you know, a lot by age and by skill level? Yeah, I played them once when I was young. It was in a Team Blitz Championship with Time Handicap. Oh, and at wow. that uh, level, he was probably the most underrated player in the world. <laughs> he had thousand something in rating and played twice his rating yeah and so did you did he get the handicap odds or did you get the odds like well, did you I, get I, more time or did he get more time i think i had most time because he was two stronger players okay. and they crushed us yeah okay I, I wasn't sure if because magnus was so underrated that it was like he got time odds in addition to being better than you. Yeah. I, I didn't think he actually needed any time odds at that moment either. So <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a pretty amazing background story. So you have this opportunity to basically become a full-time chess player. Um, and so I'm sure you have that in the back of your mind, like what could have been. And so do you take your current life sometimes and compare it to like, what would my life be like if I was, say, like a 2600 Grandmaster? Because it seems like if you're a, a 2700 Elite Grandmaster, life seems great. But I don't know about the 2600s. Like, there's there's a lot of 2600 Grandmasters that I've never even heard of and uh, sort of toil in obscurity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you should not cry over spilled milk. That's uh, That's what my father used to say. And... It, it's very difficult to imagine how it would be because I don't, it's not necessary that my life would be better or anything, but it's mm. one thing is for sure. I would be a stronger chess player, Yeah, but that's like the only thing that's empiric. Yeah. That's the only thing for sure. Right. Would you have yeah. had to give up other pieces of your development and of your life to obtain that? And I don't know, that's that's what we all go through every day, I think, as adult improvers, is like how much of our lives are we willing to give up to gain that chess improvement, and is it worth it? Yeah. Yeah, that's always the challenge. Okay, well, let's um, fast forward a bit then. So you've kind of given up chess because you had this opportunity that didn't materialize. When you get back into chess, 
Well, even though the joy of chess was not the same, I continued to play chess in addition to other activities like strength training and boxing. And one day I stumbled over a YouTube video promoting a new sport called chess boxing. Mm, so fascinating uh, to me. I'm going to yeah. be honest. I've seen these chess boxing memes and I weren't sure if they were real. So now I know <laughs> it's real. All right, go ahead. Oldbar. Yeah, yeah they, they were definitely real. So the idea comes from a cult comic called uh, the Nakapole Trilogy by Enki Bilal. Um, it's if you like bizarre comics, it's worth checking out. But uh, chess boxing as a sport is just a hybrid between the most two most perfection sports for mind and body. Chess and boxing. Okay. Uh, so I instantly fell in love with the sports, uh, talked to the inventors uh, of the sports a lot, and I ended up with them inviting me to a week of training in Berlin. What does that look like, a week of training of chess boxing? Because in my mind, it would just be kind of like boxing and chess, and you would train individually. Do you actually train to be a chess boxer? Yes, that's uh you're correct <laughs> so uh, we did a lot of like stamina training and boxing training and also chest training but also combined it with for example we were on a running track so you ran 400 meters and then you did chest puzzles for a minute oh. and then you ran 400 meters again and did chest puzzles and uh, you were boxing like on a boxing bag for three minutes and then play the blitz game, then boxing for three minutes and play the blitz game. Okay. Just by basically learning to combine. Yeah. That's fascinating. Still play good chess while you're exhausted. And can you sort of lay out what, how chess boxing works? Cause I, I know I'm not entirely sure. And I imagine there's others out there as well who don't know all the ins and outs of it. So when we say chess boxing, we're combining chess and boxing, but how do they get combined? Well, you play, um, uh, alternate rounds of chess and boxing and it definitely favors the boxers because if you can knock the other player out you yeah. win uh, but um, you can't stall in the chess game you can't or you can so do you play uh, entire blitz games in between rounds or you just make so many moves in between each boxing round? Yeah, you just you just play uh, for a set uh, amount of minutes. And then if, if you win by checkmate, the whole match is over. But usually you just set three minutes and then continue with boxing. Okay, and you said there's no stalling. How would that work? Because I could see somebody who's not a very good chess player being like, hold on, I need to think for about two minutes and 50 seconds here on my turn. Yeah, there are judges. So it's, uh, yeah. Okay. They, need, so of course, need to know the It's, it's basically chess judges and... keeping the game moving. Because I got to say, I take more than three minutes on lots of my chess moves. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Okay. But but then then again the whole sports it's it's a lot about entertainment for the audience. Gotcha. So it's it's meant to be kind of a fast paced chess match. Yeah, and uh, maybe it's more related to like the show part to wrestling. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, of course, it's to gentlemen sports, but 
the combination is uh, just have a lot of show factor. Gotcha. Um, so did you enjoy chess boxing? I guess that's the big question. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. But um, I had this idea that since I was an average chess player and an average boxer, maybe I can, could combine two averages and be an outstanding chess boxer. Yeah, seems reasonable. Yeah, that's my theory. But when I spent the week in Berlin and uh, uh, trained with solid boxers and solid chess players and solid chess boxers, um, it was a reality check for me because I noticed I was just an average chess boxer too. Gotcha. So combining yeah. the two, just combined two average things into average. Yeah, correct. Okay. Um, it just seems to me, and I don't know anything about this sport, that being a good boxer would be a pretty darn big advantage. Because I, I, for me, I can just imagine myself like trying to play chess after just being beaten up, and and then having like, all right, in three minutes you're gonna get beat up some more. Make some good chess moves. I don't think I'd be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, but it's you're usually paired against someone who's around your level both boxing-wise and chess-wise. Okay, but, interesting. But uh, Mike Tyson plays chess, and that's uh, scary. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I would not want to face Mike Tyson <laughs> in a chess boxing match. Yeah, I would run and hide. <laughs> yeah, me too. I would be one of those guys who fell down in the first 12 seconds and was like, oh, no, you knocked me out, Mike. <laughs> um, all right, so how much did you enjoy it? How long did you stick with it? Yeah, I stick with it for maybe a few years, but but then again, I was just average, and my motivation fell. Um, actually, it fell a lot after Berlin. Gotcha. So, uh, the next fifteen years, I just played sporadically. Okay, gotcha. and yeah, stopped training chess boxing and just played chess once in a while, but nothing is serious. Okay. Yeah. It's that hard thing of like, are you going to put everything you have into something and kind of put your whole life on hold to be average at it and to not make a ton of progress? Again, the big, the big hurdle of the, of the adult chess improver. Yeah. Okay. So you are, um, what brought you back full, fully back into chess? Cause it sounds like you've been kind of playing a little bit and dabbling um when do you when do you say it was your return to like really trying hard uh to improve your game yeah i think that's probably a very original story because uh, a few years a few years back there was this show on uh, netflix you may have heard about it the queen stranger Scamber. things is it called stranger things <laughs> stranger things yes it is <laughs> wow yeah everyone came back to chess with stranger things <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I really love the show, uh, The Queen's Gambit, and I got instantly hooked on chess again. Nice. Was um, there a scene that brought you back? Because there, there is for me. I'm just curious if other people have that, where there's like the one scene where you're like, oh yeah, why don't I play chess anymore? Yeah, I really enjoy all the scenes when she, when she uh, sees the board in the ceiling. Ah, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. For me, it was the, um, I think it was Kentucky or Ohio. I think it must have been Kentucky State Championship where it's like she's at her first big tournament. And I was like, oh, yeah, 
I forgot how fun those weekend tournaments <laughs> were. Yeah, that that's really what brought me back to at least wanting to try to do something with chess again. Yeah. Okay, so you're back with chess. How much time are you able to dedicate um, to your chess return? Is it something where you're able to go pretty hard again, or are you having to really, um, you know, on, only do a little bit because you have such a full life? Yeah, that was, um, I played a lot uh, and went hard, but it was not very constructive to improve my play mm. because this was the same time uh, Magnus Carlsen started his own chess club in Norway with a lot of activity online that suited my busy life schedule. Um, and also the chance to play the world champion was kind of tempting too yeah so how does that work are you just in tournaments randomly getting paired against magnus or is it like one of the perks of going to his club is every now and then you get to play against him yeah the the club have a regularly online tournaments they have um, when it's season they have three online tournaments a week Mm, Um, one bullet and two blitz and he uh, usually shows up for the Monday Bullet tournament. Oh wow! So on, it's um, a tournament on lead chess, and maybe there's twenty, thirty, forty players. So the odds are pretty high when you play thirty, so, forty games. I guess I'm a little confused when you say it's an online club. Is it an online club that you can only play in if you're Norwegian and like in this geographical area? Uh, no, they, um, most of the activity is online, but the uh, club is located in Oslo, okay. where we, they have physical tournaments. But there are also a lot of uh, members who live outside of Norway, okay. who plays in these uh, online tournaments. Yeah, because I'm just a little surprised they're not bigger if you have that opportunity to play Bullet against Magnus. Like That just sounds fascinating and fun i would love to get crushed by magnus a few times yeah maybe they will get a lot a lot of new members uh, after this podcast <laughs> yeah exactly i'm gonna get a thousand messages <laughs> tell me more about this club where i get to play magnus <laughs> yeah okay um did you ever get close against magnus or are they all just whoopings well uh the results is currently zero points out of six okay so uh I don't think it's realistic to count the points, but I'm counting the moves. Yes, that's what I would do too. <laughs> Definitely. So my, my best game is uh, 45 moves. Okay. And uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure why I lasted so many moves, but I guess he was eating a hamburger or uh, <laughs> doing his laundry or something while playing. <laughs> that's Could the be. only explanation I can come up with. Uh, if, if I ever, if I got to play six games against Magnus, I would put them like all in either the chess.com or the Lee chess evaluation tool and try to figure out like I hung with them for 18 moves. We were equal. Or if I was ever had the advantage, I'd be like, I was beating Magnus at this point. So, yeah, yeah. I think at, for that specific game, I think for the first one or two moves, the game was pretty equal. Nice. There you go. <laughs> Equal for two moves with Magnus. I mean, that's pretty awesome. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. So you've joined this club. It sounds like you're getting quite a bit of time in. You said 
you didn't think it was great for your improvement. Why is that? What what was it about what you were doing that you didn't feel like was good for improvement? A lot of bullet games. Ah, okay. Like uh, a lot. Um, and those with one minute per player. Mm -hmm. So you're may mostly just throwing the pieces around and uh, prove moving for a win. Okay, gotcha. So you you feel like bullet doesn't translate very well to chess improvement? Not at all. Okay. What about yeah. like tactical play and intuition? Or is it still just too much pre-moving tricks and too fast to really translate? In in my opinion, it's just a waste of time. It's okay. it can be fun, but for improvement, it has zero value. Okay. That's that's always been my yeah. thought as well, but I just really haven't played much bullet. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just wrong and because it feels like some people have been able to get some improvement out of it, but I don't know. It seems challenging. Yeah, I I still I don't play bullet anymore. Mm. But when I feel the urge to do something fast, um, Leeches has this puzzle rush function. Yeah. So I I do that instead. So okay. it's um, equally fun, and hopefully it adds a little bit more value to the improvement. Yeah, I think the puzzle rush stuff is pretty good because it's pattern recognition, right? So it's like yeah. getting good. If we can recognize the obvious patterns in five seconds, then it makes our overall calculation quicker and more efficient. So, yeah, yeah it seems reasonable. Um, okay, so you start by playing a ton of bullet, some of it against Magnus, so that alone makes it worth it. Um, did you Did you hit a moment where you were like, no, this is not working. I'm giving up bullet cold turkey. What's the story there? Like, how did you become, how did you mold into the chess improver you are now? Well, I think it was because the time was limited. And this, this tournament, they had, you not only played for points, but also for achievement points, uh, oh. which is something really uh, innovative. Yeah, that's amazing. So you got, for example, extra points for mating with the bishop and knight, uh, walking oh. across the board with your king, 10 pre-moves, <laughs> uh, checkmating in less than 10 seconds. Oh, wow. Uh, Etc. cetera. Uh, but so the more tournaments you played, the higher on the rankings you came, and you could win a jumper or a chess picture or anything. That's really cool. So did you get in games with people where just suddenly they would start moving their king across the board and you're like, what are you doing? Oh, I know what that person's yes. doing. They're going yes. for the achievement. A lot and then of would you players... try to stop them and be like, not on my watch? Yeah, that's that's correct. A lot of the players uh, did that. And and you knew if someone were having a, a few pawns, a knight and a bishop against you, and they started sacrificing their pawns. Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, but okay. then it, it was you had to to uh, place high in the standings. You had to grind a lot. Yeah, I bet. And with my family life and work, I couldn't grind as much. Mm -hmm. um, and then it was maybe at the time I started to um, do the chess activity that adds most value to my life, not only in terms of chess improvement, but also joy. And have a combination that's not so stressful, where you think you have to get the next point, uh, increase your rating, do everything, and just mm -hmm. relax a little bit more. Nice, yeah. Because it, 
it feels like this whole achievement system is really good at like hooking you and yeah. bringing you back. I need the next level of experience, the next rating point. But yeah, I, I can see how that could be very stressful then and like all consuming. Yeah, that's uh, that's correct. But it's really, really fun if you have the time. But yeah. if you don't have the time, it's uh, yeah. Yeah, then it becomes like, how do I make more time? Your family's yeah. like, we want to hang out. And you're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I need to, night, to mate with a knight and bishop. You don't understand. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I, I had some evenings where, yeah, the other yeah. ones wanted to watch Netflix or something. Now, oh, no, it's Bullet Tournament, eight o'clock. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. I've gone through some uh, times in my life with, with other things like that, where my uh, significant other is like, are, are you joking? Like, you're, you're going to do that? I'm like, I have to. You don't understand. I'm like, no, no, you don't. <laughs> uh, okay, so you have decided that maybe playing Bullet several nights a week for experience points is not bringing you the most joy. So how do you shift your chess time then? Well, I... I discovered the chess punks community on mm. Twitter and really started to enjoy it and uh, see what other was doing. And uh, also I will, when people um, review books or chess courses, so I started getting more books, buy more chessable courses. Um, yeah. Okay. And uh, have you read those books or do you just kind of like, open them up, glance at them and put them on your shelf. Like I have with so many Jakob Agard books that look so great, but I'm not good enough to do yet. Yeah. I, I read most of the reviews. Okay. And I may have read. No, not a single chess book from cover to cover. That's uh, very honest, but yeah. Okay. And do is it a thing where you read the pieces that you think are important or you just kind of like get into a book and then you read a review of another book that sounds great and you're like, ooh, I'm going to put this one aside? Yeah, for for a few years, I have been uh, getting another book before I finished the last and just constantly striving to find the perfect book for my rating level that will... Um, where I will gain the most improvement. Yeah. I feel like that's one of the greatest challenges is that is that is that pursuit, that pursuit of the perfect book. I've I've had periods where I do that. Every time I finish a book, then I'm looking for the next one. And that search can be very painful. Sometimes it takes a month and I look at nine different books in that month. Uh, and it always it always makes me feel bad because I'm like, I'm not getting enough. I want to just find that one book. Uh, and so every time I land on one, I'm really excited. Has there been one or two books so far that you've really said like, yes, this is a great book for my level. And I've, I've at least done a lot with it. Yeah, I have actually I have two books uh, that one is fairly new, uh, but the other has stick with me for a few years that I really enjoy. It's an opening book, so it's more like an um, encyclopedia than a book you read from cover to cover. Yeah, it's like a reference work. Yeah. Is it for one opening or is it uh, cover lots of openings? Uh, it's an E4 repertoire. Oh, okay, cool. Yes. 
And then what's the other book that you've been liking? Uh, it's called uh, 1001 Chess Puzzles for the Club Player. Okay. Yeah, I've heard people talk about that. Excellent. Yeah. So you do a lot of do you do a lot of puzzles then, or is that is puzzles a small part of your uh, improvement plan? That's my daily chess activity. Uh, so I do every day. I do around fifteen twenty minutes of chess puzzles. So I do every chapter. I do three times. Mm. So it's like a light version of uh, seven. Woodpecker method. Yeah. So I do uh, six puzzles a day the first cycle, then 12, then 24, then move on to the next chapter. Oh, that's cool. Okay. And do you feel like that's really helping? Like if you went back to those chapters today, the earliest chapters, do you feel like it sticks with you a bit when you do that more woodpeckery approach? Yeah, yes. Okay. Yes, cool. I, I think so. But, but then again, it's, uh, um it you have to know if you want to train your ability to solve new puzzles or to memorize what you solved before and the pattern recognition yeah i think those are two different but really important skills that then also kind of intertwine yes uh i have um i have a coach now hmm. uh, who told me that i should not do as much repetition as I had planned, but rather move on to new puzzles to train my solving ability. Okay. So he feels like your pattern recognition is maybe outpacing your calculation abilities? Uh, maybe, or that my calculation ability is just lacking. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I have different things I do for that. Like when I'm doing sort of pattern work, I do one thing. When I'm doing an in-between, I'll do chess.com puzzles. And then when I'm just looking at calculation, I do, you know, like basically calculation books with these impossible puzzles that I really struggle with. But then when I get them, it's such a great feeling. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, like endorphins and dopamine. Yeah, exactly. And the funny thing is, even when they'll be like, you probably saw this line. And then they lay out this long line. And then they're like, here's why it's bad. I'm like, yes, I saw the line that they said I would probably see. I did it. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> a, good, that's a good feeling. <laughs> um, all right. Well, how much time do you say you have for chess on, say, a daily or a weekly basis? Well, I have these like daily puzzles take 15, 20 minutes. And uh, two times a week, I play chess. Um, then I play four blitz games hmm. so i started out with playing three minutes with two seconds increments but it was too fast to actually do any thinking so i uh, i'm now on five minute games with three seconds increments okay that seems like a good time so that those uh, four games i do two times a week and i analyze the games after i'm finished with all four ah okay what kind of analysis do you do what are you looking for uh, just briefly, um, briefly um, analysis of all the moves, uh, trying to find out where I went wrong um, and also where I did not make the natural, normal move. Gotcha. And do you do sort of openings work at all that you combine in there where you're trying to like figure out 
where you went wrong in the opening or is openings not really a big part of your chess work? Uh, openings is not a big part, but I, I do. Uh, the first step I went out of book. I just look at it and write a note. What was the correct move according to the book? Okay. Uh, and, and I is that book... according to the book on the analysis tool, or is that your E4 repertoire? You actually go open the book up and try to figure out where you. Yeah. Yeah. It's my, in my uh, repertoire. I don't use the uh, engine when analyzing the games at oh, all. Nice. So if there is a, big blunder that the computer sees and I don't, I will never know it. <laughs> what a great feeling that is. Yeah. But but wow. I feel I feel like the engine is overrated, especially mm. for players my level. Yeah, and, I, uh, I agree. I think it's tough. Like I think the end for me personally, I find I find that I feel like I sometimes learn stuff from the engine. But what I often learn is that like the engine is just a lot better than me. And yes, they do label that move a blunder that was actually perfectly fine unless you saw this, you know, 12 move combo. And I'm not going to see that combo in a game. And I've just accepted that I'm not there yet. So to me, it's not a blunder. And the engine's like, what are you talking about? Of course, it's a blunder. You could have won the game off that combo. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's also like, for me, it's, I may have a position that's minus one and then it changes to plus one. Mm -hmm. But um, I can't see why. And I just, I want to pick the side that has the position that's most easy to find the normal moves. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, by the way, I guess since you've mentioned your level a few times, what is your level? I don't, I don't know how you determine that, whether it's one of the website's ratings, if it's a Norwegian rating. I don't, I don't know if you guys use yeah. FIDE or you have your own national rating system. What, what's your rating system by however you... Uh, uh, one I would label it. Yeah, I, I played one on the board tournament uh, in the FIDE rated uh, tournament. It was last year. Uh, and I got a FIDE rating of 1683. Okay, that's a pretty good FIDE rating. So, um, and on Leeches, it's just above 2000. Okay. Okay. And is that for. Lee Chess, is that a blitz rating or is that like a rapid time control? Uh, blitz and bullet and rapid. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so interesting. We're, we're pretty close in rating level. Man, I can't imagine never using the computer. It would feel so good, though. To have these games where I'm like, wow, that was such a beautiful game. And then the computer's like, no, it wasn't. And it's just, it's, it's hard. It's hard to yeah. stomach the computer constantly telling me how wrong I am. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I'm. Uh, there is one important thing that I'm privileged to have a coach. Mm. That uh, before our sessions, he goes through all the games I played. Oh, that's great. So, so if there is something I should know, he will tell me. Okay, so you go over the games after you play them, and then yeah. you take them all to a coach after that. Uh, yes, yes. He he just go into my Leeches account and find the games I played them. Oh, that's go, great. Go through them and then he pick what he think we should look at. Okay, so it sounds like you have a pretty limited amount of time. Then you play like four Blitz games uh, twice a week. You do your puzzles 15, 20 minutes a day. Do you have time then for say like 
chessable courses or reading books on strategy and openings and end games? Um, or, or is that kind of the limit to your chess time? I think that's the limit to the chess time. Um, I do the both the openings and the puzzle. I have both on um, chessable and physical book. Yeah. So I like to have the combination because when I'm doing puzzles and I have some extra time, uh, I put it up on a physical chessboard. Oh, nice! Just to get the feeling of playing with the board. Mm -hmm. uh, but when time is limited, it's nice to have chessable on my phone and just do it there and save some time. Yeah, I, I do the same. I have uh, when I'm doing my really detailed calculation work, I set those up on a board. And whenever I'm going over annotated games, I do those on a board. But if I'm doing just kind of like quicker puzzles, I'll just do those on chessable usually. Yeah. Trying to combine but, them. Uh, yeah. But to answer your question, I, I don't uh, do any like end game training or strategy training specifically. But uh, of course, when we do the game analysis, you get like the opening, middle game, tactics, end game. I really love the end games. So, yeah. Hmm. Okay. So what's your coach? Do you guys have any kind of like focused work on any of these elements? Like, have you guys had some end game sessions where you've sort of talked about some of the nuances of end games? Uh, yeah. Uh, last session was actually an end game, not an end game session, but we spent a significant time on one specific end game from a game. Okay. And, uh, but we're just uh, making slow steady progress just like right. trying to enjoy both the sessions and also the chess in between and i felt like my uh, coach it's um it's noel studer oh wow okay from he uh, he um, he writes the next level chess blog and i was reading the blog and um, uh, following his newsletter and then he had one opening in his also busy schedule that fit my busy schedule. But wow. um, I'm as uh, several other uh, um, persons on your podcast has talked about raising the floor. I think that's my main level right now, because when I play at my best, I can beat players one, two, three, four hundred rating points above my level. Mm -hmm. But most of the losses I have, it's because I make stupid mistakes that mm. players one two three four hundred points below mm. my level don't make so <sighs> it's, it's yes. all about being uh yeah a more solid player and uh, yeah raising the floor make natural moves yeah i hear that i i've been wrestling with that like i have not had trouble holding my own with people in the mid 1800s. I've, that has been totally fine for me. And I started to tell myself, you know what, maybe you're just underrated and your rating's still catching up and that's fine. Cause it is going up right now in USCF. Um, and then I had a game last week and on uh, the Wednesday night club had a very advantageous position. Uh, my pieces were set up around the king. It turns out I did have a mate in two or so. It was a very weird mate in two that I totally missed. Ended up getting my queen trapped, lost the game, and was just kind of like, dude, this is why you're not an 1800. This is why, right here, this game. So, yeah, yeah it's tough. That losing to the people that uh, 
in your mind you shouldn't be losing to can be very challenging yes yes you're correct that's uh yeah well it sounds to me like you're doing a really amazing job sort of balancing your life commitments with your chess commitments and being satisfied with the time you are able to carve out it sounds like you've done a really good sort of transition over the years into um something that you consider to be more enjoyable for your own life so would you agree with that are you pretty happy with where you're at right now yes yes i'm i'm actually very happy um and that was one of the things we started working on uh, with my coach to play less Oh, okay. I felt this was strange. Okay, I want to improve, and you tell me to play less, yeah. <laughs> spend less time with chess. But what ha what has happened is that I'm really looking forward to the day I will play those four games. Mm. So I have this like excitement building up inside of me, and I enjoy it a lot more. Yeah, so that's it, interesting. It, it's probably like eating candy every day, or. Yeah. Or no, you will eat candy on Saturday. So we have like a lot of weekdays to uh, build up the excitement. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like that with my own chess. I've, I've set up a situation where I get to play Tuesday and Wednesday nights now, tournament games. And what I've done is like Saturday through Monday, I try not to play like any long games so that I'm kind of looking forward to that. And it's this new thing because a few weeks ago I kind of overdid it. And then Wednesday came around. And I was like, I don't even know if I want to play in this. And I was like, what? what do you, mean you don't know <laughs> if you want to play in this. Like this is the best part of the week. So yeah, I hear you. I think it can be good to kind of build that anticipation for chess. Absolutely. Um. All right. I guess my last question is, Oh, I got a, a couple more, but coaching, it sounds like coaching has had, a pretty tremendous impact on both your enjoyment of chess and your learning process. Would you agree that uh, coaching has had a pretty big impact for you? Yes. Yes. Um, I think it's because I read all the articles I could find on the internet. I saw a lot of YouTube videos, had a lot of chessable courses, had a lot of books but sometimes you just need someone who is more experienced to say what to do uh, and especially also what not to do. Yeah. So for me, it's uh, hopefully the turning point I need to start improving steadily towards my end goal. Yeah. Oh, you, you said the magic word. That's, that's the next question. What are your goals in chess right now? Oh, well, um, I want to become a FIDE rated player of 2000. Uh, that's is a goal that I have probably had when I was a kid too. Mm. And now I feel it's realistic if I just give it some time. But then, then again, it, I enjoy the journey much more now uh, and appreciate what I have. So even if I not reach my goal, it doesn't matter because the journey itself adds value. Gotcha. So you're, yeah. you're able to just enjoy the journey. You have yeah. goals, but they are not the driving feature, but the journey itself is the driving feature. 
Yeah, that's correct. And I also, uh, I have a younger brother who is uh, 19 years old now hmm. and getting into the military. And then I know he will have one year to practice a lot of chess in the military because they have a lot of free time. So I have another like goal is to still keep beating him. <laughs> oh, so is he pretty serious about chess? Well, he, he has played a lot less than myself, but his talent is better. So I, I think it's just a matter of time before he beats me, but I, I want mm. to fight him off as long as I can. Interesting. I guess I didn't ask you the magic question yet. Uh, can you beat your dad regularly now, or is he, st- is he studying as well, just so you can't beat him? Yes, yes, I can. Um, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't very old when I started beating my dad. Okay. But I still have a lot of fun playing him, oh, uh, even good. though our levels are, there is some gap between our levels, but it's still a lot of fun. Okay. Do you guys do anything to try to address that with like time odds or anything? Yes, we play some time odds when we play. Uh, and my dad has this chessboard for three players. Oh. It's a, it's a very uh, interesting board where uh, my father, my little brother, and I can play at the same time. And then the rating level is not uh, as significant there because the two of them rot together to beat me. <laughs> that sounds fascinating. Okay. So you play yeah, some it's... three-player chess to even this out. Yeah, it's it's very uh, confusing, but fun. Okay, this sounds like every board game I play with my kids where about one quarter of the way through, they go, let's team up on dad and beat him. And I'm like, okay, let's not do that. Let's not do that. <laughs> but I won the last one and they were devastated. So it was great. Dad finally got a win. Um, okay, I guess my last question is with over the board chess, it sounds like you've only had a chance to play in one tournament. When you say your goal is 2,000 FIDE, that sounds like quite a bit of over the board. Do you not have time in your life for over the board? Or how is that working for you? Uh, I don't have time in my life to play a lot of over the board tournaments. But if I'm well prepared, hopefully I can make progress playing the few I have time for. So my goal for this, um, the end of this year is to play one or two weekend tournaments with five rounds. Okay, that sounds like a U.S. schedule. I was under the impression that in Europe, most of the, most of the tournaments were one game a, a day stretched over like five to seven days. Uh, yes, uh, like the tournament I played last year, it was nine rounds over a week hmm. uh, or from Friday to the next Sunday. Okay. But they have uh, weekend tournaments with one round on Friday, two on Saturday, and two on Sunday. And that can fit my schedule yeah. as long as I do it once in a while and not every second month. Yeah, you sound, sound a lot like me there. When my, uh, my family uh, is very accepting of me playing a weekend chess tournament once a year. Uh, and then every more than once a year becomes harder and harder to get. So we'll see. Okay. Well, that sounds great. I I can't believe I finally got to talk to a chess boxer. I have a better understanding of chess boxing now, but I must admit it's pretty similar to where I was before. It feels like 
being a good boxer is going to be a large help in chess boxing. Yes, there is. Uh, if Mike Tyson wanted, he could be the world champion. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> uh, it would be really funny to take like a boxer who has never played chess before and just teach them the moves and kind of the basics and then just let them outbox everybody. I don't know if that would work. Yeah, but then again, you have to survive on the chessboard too. So That's right. They get scholars made it every time and it's not going to work out. Yeah, correct. All right. Well, Odvar, what a great conversation. I'm excited for you. It sounds like you're doing what we're all trying to do, which is find that balance. And it sounds like you've found that balance in a way that's bringing your life joy. And that is so awesome to hear because at least for myself, uh, the school year starts up in a month and I know I'm not going to feel the same joy of chess knowing that I have to return to this more balanced state. And what that leaves me in a spot of is wishing I had more time for chess rather than accepting the time I do have. Yeah. So congratulations on finding that balance, my friend. Uh, is there anywhere where people can reach you if they want to uh, follow up with you for some more uh, conversations? Uh, sure. Uh, I am on uh, Twitter in the Chesspunks community there uh, where I am putting Shack. So putting an S-J-A-K-K. Okay. And also on Leechess where I am putting Shack. Okay. Awesome. So if you want to talk to Odvar about his journey, about any tips he has, uh, you can talk to him there. If you want to message me, I'm available on Dr. Skull on Twitter. You can catch me streaming at Dr. Skull underscore Tiny Grimes. Um, also, uh, my YouTube, I'm posting stuff. I will be posting today. Well, I guess probably today about when this comes out, a video of my daughter's very first over the board tournament win. And you get to hear her seven-year-old analysis of her game. It's quite entertaining. Uh, so, everybody, thanks so much for tuning in. And I hope this week brings you all the ratings gains you were looking for. And if not, that's okay. That's okay. Plateaus are the norm. Come back next week, and we'll have another conversation with someone else who can give us some, some tips and help us understand our own journey. I'll see you next time, everybody. Goodbye.